Good morning. It's good to be with you here. My name is Matthew Von Stein, and um, my wife and family uh, call Grace Fellowship our home. Um, you know, dri- driving in this morning, I, I know I wasn't the only one. I always have to pay attention to these things and, and kind of not ignore them. But as I uh, look at my notes and my typical, you know, kind of startling, say funny thing, make them laugh, now I feel less insecure, start preaching. Um, see, look, I just did it. Um, my heart was heavy coming in here this morning, and um, my heart felt just broken over the news. Um, and then I just go through, we're, we're a bag of mixed emotions, right? Frustration, anger, just highlights the brokenness in our world as we encounter the news of uh, just hate. And I say, God, what do I do with this when I feel these things? Uh, and he said, pray. So can we pray together? God, uh, you are good. And like the song we sang, proclaim, God, we welcome you here. And we thank you for your presence. God, we ask to be overcome by your presence. And God, as millions and millions of Americans, including us, go to church this morning, God, I pray that your church would be a place that is a, a light on a hill. God, I pray that as we come into worship with doubt, that you would remind us of your truth. God, as we come to worship with feelings of fear, that we would be reminded of your tremendous love. God, if we come in here with feelings of anger or frustration, God, that you would remind us that you are in control. God, we proclaim that you are good, we love you, and we thank you that you love all of us. God, we pray for uh, your presence and your peace in the lives of those who are hurting in ways that I do not understand this morning. God, we love you, and in Jesus' name, amen. I was going to show a clip of the Lord of the Rings this morning. Um, However, uh, two things happened. One, I wanted to save a little bit of time. Uh, And two, every time I mentioned that I was going to show this Lord of the Rings clip to someone, they said, oh, I haven't seen that yet. And uh, it happened over and over and over again where I was like, no, Lord of the Rings, though. And they're like, yeah, I haven't haven't seen that yet. In fact, I had one friend uh, who, when I said, have you seen Lord of the Rings, they said, well... My family really isn't into geek stuff like that, and I I felt personally attacked, and uh, they're here this morning, they're looking at me, I'm not going to make eye contact with them, because they are a friend, and I love them. I love you too, Christy, thank you. Um, (laughs) But when uh, when I was growing up, uh, I, when I was done reading the 40 books of the Hardy Boys series, um, yeah, and I wanted to, okay, the one other person that knows what I'm talking about, um, when I was done reading those books uh, and wanted to read something uh, less dumb, I, 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 uh, I, I got my hands on the Lord of the Rings uh, series, and uh, it was incredible. 
uh, Hardy Boys were great, but this, this, uh, this fantasy adventure, this whole different world, right? And I just, I just remember I got lost in it. And I'm a horribly slow reader. I think I spent my whole adolescence trying to read The Lord of the Rings, but I loved it. And of course, the author, J.R.R. Tolkien, when he wrote it, um, uh, one of the things at its core, one of the relationships at the core of the series was friendship. Right, and that's one of the things that made it so unique are these incredible friendships uh, that are in uh, the series and in the books and, and of course, even portrayed in the movies. Uh, and, and especially one, one of those being, you know, Frodo and Sam, right? These two small people that go on this grand adventure that they have uh, no right going on and through the entire um, book, they rescue one another, they help one another, they love one another, they care for each other, they anger each other, they forgive each other, all of these things. And even, you know, we don't see friendship like that even portrayed on the big screen a ton. And when we see it, we can even laugh at it a little bit, right? The sweeping music of the movie while two friends are weeping and crying and hugging on a boat on the water. That's what I was going to show you. Um, and we can kind of make fun of it a little bit because we don't really see that kind of genuine friendship portrayed a ton, right? Even in the rest of the book, uh, two um, different kinds of people, um, Legolas and Gimli, one an elf, one a dwarf, uh, they are basically bigoted and racist towards one another in the beginning of the books, but by the end of going on this adventure for one another, of course, they have built this incredible bond with one another as they journeyed. And um, that series always left such a profound impact on me. And so because I didn't play the clip, you will have to go watch that if you haven't. And uh, I forgive you. Um, about six years ago, I listened to a sermon uh, that had tremendous impact on me. Some of those things I'll even share with you this morning. It was on friendship. Uh, that sermon would lead me to read, uh, and I'm telling you this because uh, some of these resources are awesome. And so if you're looking for something to read, I would read C.S. Lewis's Four Loves. Uh, it's a collection of four essays, uh, one on the love of uh, God and, and us, the love of um, a romantic love, the love of a family love, and the one, of course, that I, my attention was drawn to more than anything was the love of a friend. Um, and I would create uh, a sort of, oh, and, and another one, this is recently that has spoken into friendship, which has been really, really cool and informed even a little bit more of how I want to speak this morning, was uh, a Tim Keller's devotional on Proverbs. Some of, uh, uh, and if, if, so if you want to look that up, he spent pages on friendship and it was awesome. But I created a campaigner lesson. That's when Young Life, our sort of Bible study vision time, and I created a, a campaigner lesson uh, for students on friendship. And students and leaders and me kind of like ate this thing up as we talked about this biblical view of friendship. And of all, a lot of the lessons that I've given over the past six, seven years, this was the one where students and even leaders would say, hey, can, you, can we do that lesson again on friendship? Because as we kind of unpacked it together, students, I mean, it, it's kind of applicable to all of us, whether or not we, we have a lot of friends, we have no friends. We want better friends, we want to be a better friend, right? There's something there for us. And this morning, what I would like to do is share with you uh, some of what I believe is God's wisdom on friendship and how that can impact our lives. And 
the reason I think it is so applicable to all of us is because I think truly, deep down, we all long for it. We long for more of it, friendship. Some of us are not sure if we have it at all. Even as I begin talking, we start kind of thinking about who our friends are, right? Some of us are not sure if we deserve it or where to get it. Some of us, well, have been really hurt by it. We don't know how to get it or how to build it. This morning, my aim is to encourage all of us to take seriously the uniqueness, the discovery, the building, the building blocks, and the power of friendship. So um, you, have, you should have a handout uh, in the insert if you have one of those, because we're going over so many different verses. Um, uh, I, there's a little insert. On the back of the insert, there's actually a uh, coupon for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, um, which is... No, I made you look. I'm kidding. You should never lie to a Christian about Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was wrong of me. I just wanted you to take it out. Um, so here it is. Um, so you can uh, follow along as I read. They'll also be on the screen if you don't have a, a handout. But I'll be coming back to these throughout the morning. And so I wanted you to have that in, in your hand. Um, so I'm going to read to you some of these Proverbs on um, friendship, and hey, if something stands out to you, circle it, underline it, tear the paper in half, I don't know. Um, so here we go. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Seldom, you guys are going to like this one, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. <laughs> like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is the one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. Those who flatter their neighbors are speaking net, sp speaking, spreading nets for their feet. Let's just thank God for his word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom and the love, God, that you have here for us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be working our hearts, that we would learn more about you, more about ourselves, and learn more about, God, your uh, intent for how we engage with one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to talk about uh, here uh, is just the uniqueness of friendship, right? Uh, and across all kinds of cultures or countries, right, we, we lift up different kinds of relationships that we think are the most important. In some places, it might be um, our neighbors, right? It's all about civic duty and the, and the advancement 
uh, of us as a whole. In some uh, countries, um, even today, right, what is the relationship we might hold up more than anything is the family, right? The family unit, matriarchal and patriarchal families, and all that relationship is the most important. And then you think about our own. Uh, we kind of have an individualistic society, right? And so the individual is the most important thing, um, but what is the relationship that we hold up more than anything is, is romance, right? Uh, and you, you're like, is it? It is, right? Think, 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 if we put over here all the songs and movies on relationships and romance here, and all the ones on family and friendship over here, right? You don't go into a grocery store and see a magazine that says, like, find out who Brad Pitt just said he's friends with, you know? We're not really concerned with who he's friends with, right? Uh, so romance is, uh, and, and romantic relationships are, are a or a highlight in our, in our culture, and we push that in our music and books and movies and all of those things. And in, in all of them, right, no matter kind of where we're from or the backgrounds we're in, friendship, friendship always takes a little bit of a back seat, right? See, in, in family, we don't get to choose our family, right? Some of you are like, I wish I could choose my family, right? No, but, but we don't get to choose our families. That's kind of forced upon us, right? And even the relationship with our family, I mean, do you ever get frustrated how like a family member says something to you and it just bothers you so much and you're not just mad at them, you're mad that it bothers you so much? You know what I mean? Because there's just this, we get family, right? And the connection that we have with one another. No, no one, um, whether good or bad experiences, everybody gets it to some degree, is going to experience family love or lack thereof. And then romantic love, right? Like we're we're, I mean, uh, oh, and I, before I move on, I wanted to uh, read one of those verses about family because already Proverbs is kind of speaking into the uniqueness about friendship here, and it's the so, uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Meaning, already in Proverbs here, the author is showing us a distinction between this incredible deep bond of a brother, right? But it's saying this, a friend is something entirely different. In fact, a friend can be something entirely deeper and more meaningful. It doesn't devalue the other one, but the author here is saying it's very different and can have tremendous impact on us. A, a, look, a family member might always be there for you, right? But they might not like you. <laughs> but this idea of a friend is unique. It's different. In romance, we... Some of, most of us, we won't be able to escape it, right? Again, whether or not our success with it, married or single, we, we will understand romantic love and what it does, the passion of it, right? The obsession of it, kind of what it does to us, you know? But if you think about us, just as a purely as like survival, right? Friendship is completely unnecessary. Do you see that? I mean, as a species, like we need, we need family, so we understand family love. We need romance in order to continue, so we, we, we understand that to some degree. But a lot of us, so many of us, can go entire seasons of our lives without friendship because it's completely unnecessary. C.S. Lewis said this, um, and I'm, I'm going to quote uh, that his essay on friendship a, a number of times, and this is one. It says, friendship is, in a sense, the least natural of loves the least instinctive, organic, biological, gregarious. It has the least commerce with our nerves. There's nothing throaty about it, nothing that quickens the pulse, 
or turns you red and pale? And what makes friendship different is that we choose it. It's completely voluntary. It doesn't, it doesn't push itself on you. Proverbs says that we can lack, we, we can perish for a lack of friends in our lives. Proverbs also say, and look, these verses barely scratch the surface of uh, what, what's out there in, in, in the book of Proverbs on friendship and wisdom and fools, because Proverbs also says that not only can we perish for a lack of friends, we can also perish for poorly chosen ones, okay? And that is an entirely different sermon, all right? on the influence and the power of the friends in our life. I've said to students many times in young life, show me your friends and it shows me your future. Right? And look, is, is the Bible saying that some of us need to make new friends? No. Yes. Okay? Absolutely. Right? I even remember Jeff, um, Pastor Jeff spoke on wisdom, on the wise and the foolish here. Uh, and, and again, but that's perhaps for a, another time. Our friends have tremendous impact on us. I mean, the, the primary relationship as we're growing up that impacts us more than anything when we're young is first our families, right? And again, in an individualistic society, individualistic society we like to say, no, I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I, I see things the way I want to see them. I, I'm independent, all of that. But of course, our family has incredible influence on us. But after our family, who imp impacts us more than anybody is our friends. Friendship is unique compared to a lot of the other relationships that we have. Friendship is also rare. If you look at Proverbs 18, 24, it says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is, what's the word? A friend who sticks closer to the brother, who sticks closer than a brother. As we unpack some of the wisdom here that God's given us on friendship, and as we allow God to sort of define that word for us here just this morning, we may use the word friendship in different ways, but as we look at sort of the deep, authentic, genuine sort of friendship that God's talking about, this verse in Proverbs is saying, if we live our lives and get to experience this kind of friendship once or twice or three times, we would be really blessed to have that. Do you see that? It's not just unique, it's rare. I remember I used to come home all the time from school, and um, every day I had a new best friend, okay? I was, you, you should be so surprised, right? Okay, so every day I came home and I had a new best friend. And I remember my mom had a really healthy view of what a friend is, especially what a best friend is, whatever that distinction is, right? And, and I remember I come home like, Mom, I got a new best friend! You know, and this is like the 30th time I had said that that week, you know? And my mom was like, you know, honey, you... You probably don't have a new best friend. What's his name? And I'm like, I don't know his name. You know, I just, we high-fived. You know, I'm looking out the window and I see a kid on his bike. I'm like, I like bikes. He's my best friend. You know, and, and to, to me, it's like, every, you know, everyone is my friend. Everybody's my, my best friend. But here in, in Proverbs, it's like, no, this is unique. This is rare. L look at the next one down. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The word pleasantness is the sweetness. And think of the author. I mean, sweetness and sugar is rather ubiquitous for us now. Like everything has sugar in it. Everything is sweet. We're, we're like desperately avoiding that in every, in every way we can, right? But like think about the author when he wrote this. He's saying a friend, a real friend, like a genuine friend, 
it, it's, it's like sweet food. It's like honey. It's so, it's so rare. It's so unique. I just treasure this. Friendship is unique. The next thing I want to mention is also the, just the discovery of friendship. How do we discover our friends? Because, again, what I'm trying to do is, is narrow a little bit. And as, as someone who I, I love to be friends with everybody, um, even me, I need to hear this. Like, is this sort of narrowing and trying to understand so that we can see something that God's trying to show us here? And it's this, is that in order to discover friends, one of the things we have to realize is that not everyone who we call our friends just naturally are our friends, Right? Meaning it's okay to say that we, have, we work with people and they're our coworkers, And we, 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 we do things with people and they're our companions. We, 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 we uh, do recreation with people, all sorts of things. We interact with all kinds of different people and it's wonderful, right? But as we continue to kind of narrow down on what this beauty of this genuine, authentic, deep friendship might look, might look like, C.S. Lewis says this, For us, of course, the shared activity and therefore the companionship on which, on which friendship supervenes may be a common religion, common studies, a common profession, even a common recreation. But listen here, all who share it will be our companions. But one or two or three who share something more will be our friends. See, Facebook has done us a horrible disservice, right? I have a new friend. No, you don't. You have someone else who you're going to manage kind of online perception with. That's not a friend. That's whatever that is, right? You know, you, know, you have 400 friends. No, you don't. <laughs> um, we, we discover friends. You see in that quote from C.S. Lewis, we discover friends as we play, as we work, as we serve together, as we do things. And we have these people around us that are doing these things with us. Why? Because what, what, what C.S. Lewis says and sort of what we, I think we, what we discover, right, is that these companions are people that we see the same thing, right? We see the same truth. We have a similar love. We enjoy the same things. And so we have these companions and playmates in our lives and coworkers. And what Scripture is saying is that out of some of those may spring forth a friend. We, we discover it. Listen, here, here's C.S. Lewis again, and, and he's going to call some, me and some of us, maybe all of us at some point have done this, pathetic. He's going to use the word pathetic, okay? Because what he's about to talk about is this idea of that we have to discover friendship. We don't just run around saying, be my friend. I want you to be my friend. I need to consume you now. We're friends now. We're best friends, okay? Listen what he says. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I just want a friend. No friendship can arise. Though affection might, there would be nothing for the friendship to be about. Friendship must be about something even if it were an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice or how incredible the Lord of the Rings is. I added that. <laughs> those who have nothing, listen, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. I remember when I first uh, moved into Southern York with my wife and we had our very first Southern York banquet. Actually, I think we had our first banquet here for Young Life in Southern York, but prior does moving down here, and I met Alex Gilbert, and uh, best friends right away, nope, 
So I did think he was cool, though, and uh, we were, we, we, uh, were uh, talking with each other, and sort of what did, what did we discover right away is that we saw the same thing, right? We, we had a similar passion, and what was that passion? We both believed deeply and had been called uh, in various different ways that we believe that young people deserve to know Jesus and follow him. And right, and so Alex and I had great chemistry, and so of course we just enjoyed doing this stuff together, but we saw the same thing, and so that's, as we saw the same thing, it's kind of what moved us closer and closer to one another, but the litmus test had not occurred yet, because what, what we were doing is, man, I was speaking at Grace Student Ministries stuff, and he's talking at Young Life stuff, and we're combining events to try to bless one another and help each other out, and also we're probably just combining things, because Alex and I want to kind of hang out with each other, right? And, but uh, over time, youth ministries here at Grace Fellowship just continued to grow as Alex's role in that just continued to expand and young life started growing by God's blessing, right? We, the, practical, uh, the practicality of us doing all of this kind of stuff together, it became less and less and less. And all of a sudden, here comes the litmus test, right, on friendship, which is we're no longer really useful to each other anymore, right, in our, in our kind of our different ministries. And yet, what we discovered is that Alex and I still wanted to hang out with each other. And what we had discovered is that Alex and I had become friends. We wanted to, just, we wanted to hang out with each other. We, we didn't always even talk about youth ministry anymore. We just wanted to have conversation with each other and talk about life and our families and our journeys with Christ together. And I had discovered a friend. Does that make sense? Friendship is unique. It's rare and it has to be discovered. But once we discover a friend, it just works perfectly, right? Like everyone does what they're supposed to do. Friendship is great. Never hurt by it. No. No, we also not only have to look at the uniqueness of it, the discovery of it, but we also have to pay attention on how to build it, right? And what are the, some of the marks that Proverbs here and God's wisdom is showing us? Man, what does it look like to have this sort of deep, genuine friendship? Not just companionship with people, but this deep kind of friendship. We have to work on it. And there are four things here. And the first, and I think we get this right away, is that friends need to be faithful to one another. Proverbs 25, 17 says, seldom... I knew you guys would really like this one. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, but too much of you and they will hate you. Well, what is that, right? Some of you are like, I know what that is. <laughs> You'll notice it's not, in order to be a faithful friend with, with one another, it does not mean, look, we get, all of us have seen or experienced when someone falls in love with someone else in a romantic relationship, have you ever had a friend just fall off the face of the earth, Right? Because it, you know, it just consumes them, right? And, and, but by the way, that actually can happen with friendship too, right? Anytime a good thing tries to become an ultimate thing in our lives, we can obsess over it. And what friendship is about is not that your entire life that we begin to consume each other as friends because we need our friends to be something that God is supposed to be in our lives. And so this one friend is the only thing they're supposed to have. What this verse is saying is not that we are, that the, uh, the deep relationship, a genuine relationship is marked by just always being with that one person all the time. It's the idea of the faithfulness of not being friends at every single time, at all times, but at all kinds of times. 
A friend is someone who is there when, when, when you are in um, a season of plenty and joy and love. A friend is there for you in seasons of grieving and hurting. A friend is there for you as your life changes, you know, as you, as you move, as your family expands or shrinks. Whatever it happens, a, fa- a friend is faithful at all kinds of times. I mean, we, we've, we've gotten um, the, the, the term a fair-weather friend, right? All of us maybe at some point have been a fair-weather friend, and maybe many of us have experienced that. The other Proverbs that we already read says that poorly chosen friends will leave us to ruin, but a, but a friend, right, that one friend won't. A real faithful friend will not let you go to ruin. When the chips are down, they'll show up. They'll be there at whatever cost to them. I I am so guilty of this, and so I am only going to call me out, and if you're like this, join me. If you're not, I'm not talking about you then. But there are so many times that because sometimes I lack a, a compassion or I struggle with empathy. And I see my friends or my friends have told me about something going on in their lives. And I, and I do this disgusting thing that I, I hate that I do is I take out my phone and I say, oh, thank you for telling me about that. Thank you so much. And I text the worst words in the world. Let me know if you need anything. What, what, is, what are 99% of people in an individualistic, I'm fine uh, culture say to that? I'm good. I'm fine. Thank you. I'm okay. Right? Do you know what a friend does when they find out that the chips are down? They just go. They just go. You know why I send that text sometimes? Is for whatever reason, I'm just being selfish about my friend's mess, and I know that if I send that text, I know what they're going to say. Hey, but at least I kind of said, I, I'm you know, so sorry. <laughs> Shoot. <sighs> One of the people in my life who has demonstrated to me what it looks like just to show up uh, is my brother, Stefan. Uh, he's going to beat me up later now that I just said his name, but that's okay. He's beat me up before. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, but my brother Stefan has always been uh, a testimony to this in my life, not only to me, but as I've just watched him. He's a, he's a brother, by the way, who I would call my friend, Aww. <laughs> um, uh, that we've developed that as, as, as we've gotten, um, or oh, I would say that. I don't know if he would say that. I mean, he's, he's over there, so I'm just being funny. Um, but you know, what, you know what my brother Stefan does when in my life or anyone else around him is in need? He just goes. Stefan just shows up. When he knows that whatever position he's been placed in as a brother, as a son, or as a friend, that if any one of those people in his life is in need, he just goes. I've never once gotten a text from my brother like, hey, do you need anything? He just shows up. Friends are faithful. Not marked because we're just always together, but we are willing to be there for each other at all kinds of times, in all kinds of seasons. Next, a friend is careful. Proverbs 25, 20. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is the one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Or that other one. Uh, you people who hate getting up in the morning, did you like that other verse? Like one who blesses someone in the morning, it'll be taken as a curse, right? Listen, these verses are saying that a friend is careful. 
A friend knows what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. Now, hold on. In a moment, we're going to talk about how to be honest with one another. And I'm not talking about this kind of like political correctness where we're, we're on eggshells with one another because we're afraid to um, hurt each other's feelings. I'm talking about a kind of carefulness that's marked by someone who cares enough about you to know you and know how you're wired to, to allow that to inform the way they talk to you, the way they love you, the way they... You know, if, if there's somebody in your life or you do this to someone else where, where they just, you just, you know, they just don't ever speak your language, right? A friend is careful. A friend knows how to talk to us, when to talk to us, when to give us space, and when to step in. A friend is careful, and with that carefulness comes a sensitivity. Do you see here, again, the uniqueness of friendship? A sensitivity to what? A friend is sensitive to the storms going on in somebody else's life. Going on, what is going on in their lives? That has, look, uh, in, in family, we get this, right? Like a family member walks in the room and like they twitch their eye the wrong way and we're like, what's wrong, right? Because we get that kind of connection with, with, with family and, and, and with our romantic partners, right? And our wives like we, and our husbands, we, we're just so interconnected with them in, in that way. But a friend, a friend, you're, you're literally volunteering your heart, your mind, and yourself into their mess, into their hurt, into their lives because you care. It's, it's completely voluntary. And this Proverbs is saying, look, if we are the kind of friends that we need to be to one another, we can't go around singing songs when our friends are hurting. Friends are careful. Next, friends are honest. Proverbs 27.6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A friend is willing to wound you out of love. And what does an enemy do instead? Flatter you. The other verse says uh, 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 that an enemy, in a sense, a, a poor friend, right, literally when they flatter us, they, they, are, they are spreading a net underneath our feet, betraying us. A friend is honest. A friend is willing to speak into somebody's life and what is going on and knows them well enough to what's going on um, and sees them doing this, thinking this, not doing this, and whatever it is, whatever it is going on, you're willing to speak into their lives and speak truth, even if it hurts them. And the truth of the matter is the reason that we don't do this with our friends in our lives isn't because we're so concerned about how it might hurt their feelings, but because we're unwilling to deal with the mess of being honest with someone. Because being honest with someone means I've got to deal with your defensiveness when I bring this to you. Being honest with, me, with you means that I need to be careful and faithful to you. I need to stick around long enough to listen, to love you, to follow through on this. I mean, we, we live, of course, in, in a society where, where flattery is really on a pedestal, is it not? I mean, the, the way the entire social media network works is on flattery and retweets and hearts and likes, right? I post it, you like it. I get a dopamine hit, I post more of it, right? You like it, I like your stuff. I post my kid, you said my kid's cute. You wouldn't say that my kid isn't cute, but thank you. Uh, you liked it, and I want to post more. It's like this cycle of we just flatter one another, right? 
and what this really means, and we call some of these people our friends, but really it's not friends. It's not friends that we're really seeking. We're seeking fans. A fan is someone who just flatters you, says what you want to hear. A friend is willing to sit you down and say, you need to hear this. I need you to listen. A friend is honest. Fourth, a friend gives counsel. How many of you ever looked back at your life and looked at the decision you made and go, well, that was dumb? Anyone? No, it's just me. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what a friend is? A friend is meant to be a stopgap to as many of those dumb decisions as possible. Okay? I've been there. I've done this. Hey, I'm watching you. Right? And instead of not giving each other counsel and just giving each other that kind of flattery. Right? Oh, like, yeah, dude. You, oh, yeah, great. A $3,000 a month lease on that car. Sounds great. It's a good idea. Oh, you're going to date her a third time. Cool. Good. Ah, there wasn't enough destruction the first two times, you know? <laughs> right? A friend gives real, and listen, it, okay, and to that point, by the way, when we're talking about friends, uh, let me ask you, do you bring the big decisions in your life to your friends? Those of us that are blessed to have them, do you bring them to it? Bring your decisions to them? I need to make this decision. I'm, I'm wrestling with this option. I'm wrestling with what's going on. Look, it is really easy for us as friends to give each other counsel with things that are just morally right and morally wrong, right? That's wrong, this is right. But where the rubber really meets the road in friendship is this kind of counsel in wisdom, right, where morality has nothing to do with it. I'm saying, I need you to help me. I need you to sharpen me, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one, as we sharpen one another, this is different than just a mentor relationship or one with a counselor where it typically is one way. And those are all beautiful, wonderful things. But this sort of friendship is the sharpening of one another. Do you see that? That we're willing to counsel each other and give each other wise advice and point each other in the, other, and point each other in the right direction. But we, we can push people away in friendship because of this. Again, because of this individualism, right? That we just push away wise counsel. And I don't know why we do this. Like, hey, I hear that you're telling me that I need to look both ways before I cross the street, but I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like I need to be hit by a car to really get that. You know, I just need to experience it. We do that, don't we? Don't do this. No, I, need, I, I think that, don't do this. And four different friends in your life are going, red flag, man. They're like, no, nah, I just need to experience this. Oh, man. Friends give each other counsel. And the truth is that when we push those people away who give us counsel in our lives, I can guarantee you for every poor decision that you may want to make in your life, there is someone who will tell you it's a good idea. You can find them, and that's what we do. The people that have been there for us, the people who are around us, the people who are giving us wise counsel out of love and friendship say, hey, listen, listen, I, I don't think this is a good decision. What we do is we're like, I think I'm just going to go make new friends. Friends are faithful, friends are careful, friends are honest, and friends give each other counsel. They sharpen one another. So there we have it. Friendship, Proverbs, thank you. We couldn't just stop there though, right? Because, well, two things. One, <laughs> I have given you literally 
uh, no practical advice as to where to find this kind of friendship. And two, I think that we're left with a few feelings as we come face to face with some of God's wisdom and truth over friendship. And here's the first one. Do you long for it? I mean, do you long for this kind of friendship? A friend that is always there, a friend that coaches you and counsels you, a friend that is careful with you, a friend that would be honest with you and still love you and just show up. We want it. And we live in a society where our friends get ripped away from us a lot, don't they? We move. Our lives change. And here's another thing I think we're left feeling. Do any of you feel guilty? No message ever up here should be, hey, may the guilt be with you. As my, that's what my father would say when he preached facetiously. Like, that should never be the, the feeling. May the guilt be with you. Because as we look at what friendship is, it was even as I put this together, I go, man, I have been a poor friend. Or, third, maybe we feel hurt or pain because we have been so hurt by those we've been willing to call friends. And so how do we find the power to have the kind of friendships we need to have and to be the kind of friends we need to be to one another. The disciples had seen it all with Jesus, right? They, they saw Jesus uh, touch a leper and his skin went clean. They saw him multiply food to feed thousands. They saw him speak authority into things that no one had done before. He shocked people. He amazed people. The disciples I mean, you talk about a, a group of companions all staring at the same thing, right? Just all looking at him going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Jesus, after uh, teaching, sent his disciples into a boat. And this is not a point that I wrote down, but you think about the companionship that the disciples had, how different these disciples probably were from one another, and some of the friendships uh, that must have grown as a result of their following Jesus together. But Jesus sent them uh, into a boat, and uh, he, they went alone without him into the Sea of Galilee. And while they were out there, this incredible storm comes up, right? It's a storm that's so bad that fishermen think they're going to die, right? The water is... Uh, the wind in the waves, it says, were coming on them in the, into the boat, and they thought that this was the end. They're thinking about the last time they spoke to their loved ones, the last time they saw Jesus. They thought they were going to die. And what, what are so many of them thinking right at that moment in the boat? Is they think about all the different times that they've seen Jesus show up, right? In power and in love and in truth and authority. All of them are thinking this. Man, I wish Jesus was with us right now. Like in this. I wish Jesus could be with us in this. In this storm, we're going to die. The chips are down. And what does Jesus do? He pulls out his phone and he texts them. Let me know if you need anything. Boom. No, what does he do? 
oh man, Jesus is cool. He goes, I'm going to go out to him. He could just appear in the boat. He's like, nah, I'm going to walk on the water. It's awesome. So he walks out on the water to them in the middle of the storm. Didn't matter if it was going to get him wet. Didn't matter if it was going to knock him down. Didn't matter if the wind was going to blow in his face. Didn't matter. He didn't care. Jesus volunteered himself into their storm, right? And he just shows up at all kinds of times for the disciples. And as they freak out, as they see Jesus on the water, he's careful with them. He says, it's me. He says, it's me. Don't be afraid. Because Jesus loved them and was their friend. He showed up in the middle of their storm and he loved them deeply. He took it on. He pulls Peter out of the water. He gathers his disciples in the boat and he's honest with them. He's faithful to them. He's vulnerable with them. He's transparent with them. He counsels them and loves them. See, look, the Bible is full of things that describe God's love to us kind of in our base natures, right? Isn't God awesome? We know what hunger is, right? So God says, I'm the bread of life. We know what thirst is. So he says, I'm living water. We, we know what the love, we, we understand, and have some of us have experienced the love of a father. And so you know what he says? I'm your father. I'm your protector. We understand romantic love. And so you know what he says? You're my bride, and I'm your groom. You open yourself to me, and I do something in you incredible. But you know we don't think about a ton? Jesus, our friend. And in John 15, 15, before Jesus would go on the cross, he would look to his disciples and say, I no longer call you slaves, but friends. And Jesus Christ would not just go into a literal storm for his friends. He would think about his disciples he would think about me, he would think about you, and he would take on the only storm that really threatens us at all, our sin, up on the cross. I said a friend is someone who's always there, who's always careful, who's willing to open themselves up to you. Jesus on the cross, his hands extended. I said a friend is someone who will show up for you at all costs to himself themselves. And Jesus, through pain and torture and beating and mockery and the weight of sin, did not close himself off from us. Jesus Christ lost. He gave up his friendship with his Father so that we could be friends with him. And he left himself, him, he said, it's better that I would go than I, would, than I should stay. Because I'm going to leave you me. Because Jesus Christ was the friend of sinners. Jesus Christ is the friend to lonely people. Jesus Christ is a friend to the friendless. Jesus Christ is the friend to the rejected to the outcast. 
Jesus is the friend to the doubting and the angry. To anyone who would receive his free gift of grace, Jesus becomes a friend that makes us whole a friend that our hearts really desire, someone who will let us all the way in and never let us down. Now, we have Jesus as our friend. Does that mean that we we don't need to have friends now? No. See, this is the beauty of the gospel, and if you're new here this morning, listen. The beauty of the gospel is no longer do a group of people need to have a common football team or politics or anything else The common love that we share together unites people in a way that nothing else can but the gospel. Old and young see the same truth, share the same love in Jesus Christ. White and black, left and right, rich and poor. If you are desiring the kind of friendship, if we have made Christ first the kind of friend that our heart desires and and we want the kind of friends that God's designed us for, it's right here in this room. Look around. And as we do companionship together, we can discover friends that would never make any sense outside of the gospel and can be deeper and richer. Why? Because we can move towards people without fear of rejection. Because I have a God who will never let me go. I can move towards friends without fear of being let down. I will be let down, but I have a God who will never let me down. And more than just discovering the kind of friends, that now instead I get to just go and be the kind of friend that I need to be to people. Because it's Jesus who's made me whole. If I get to experience the kind of friendship that I'm describing from another brother or sister in Christ, hallelujah. But I want to go be the friend I'm supposed to be. How can we do that? Before you leave this morning, consider serving with one another. Go sign up for Adopt-A-Block together. Go serve with one another. Eat with one another. Sign up to be a part of one of the house churches here. Pray together, men and women's ministry, young adult ministry. There's so many. Man, this is Grace Fellowship. There's so many things you could do to serve and eat and see the same thing, to feed the hungry together, to clothe the naked together, to give shelter to those who don't, and discover authentic, deep friendships along the way. Don't leave here too fast. You might find a friend. Make Jesus the friend our heart desires and we will find all the friends our heart needs. Let's worship together.